Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this Thursday at noon Pacific time with Bram Hillsman of the Warriors Huddle Podcast to get in on the action. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, everybody. It is La Tuesday, and so, of course, I'm joined by the San Francisco Chronicles, Connor Letourneau. Connor, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I uh, it's, it's National French Friday. So I, I saw that on Twitter. What's the best French fry? Because this is the debate of the day. Curly fry, steak fry, crinkle cut, thin cut. What's the best French fry? Curly fry. I would agree. I think you with, and I are in the minority nice there. Seasoning that are like I'm not even a fan of Arby's sandwiches, but I love their their curly fries. I think curly fries have the highest ceiling of all French fries, and I yeah. think crinkle cut have the lowest floor. Like the bust potential on a crinkle cut fry is very high. Yeah, not a huge crinkle cut guy. I'm not even a big waffle uh, fry guy. Um, mm-hmm. I like the normal fry or the. Uh, or the um, curly fry. I've actually been trying to stay away from fries lately uh, because they're just they come with every meal, and if you just they're just an easy thing to avoid to try to be somewhat healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny, like months into my relationship with my girlfriend, we were at dinner one time, and I and I I asked it I asked for dinner with no fries, and she was like, "What is wrong with you? Like, why why wouldn't you get fries?" And I was like, "I don't eat fries," and she was like. I thought she was going to break up with me on the spot. It was, uh, it was like, it was like telling someone that you had murdered someone in a past life. It was, it was, it was bad. It's as believable, right? Like an American yeah. who does not eat French fries is like, do you exist? Like, I don't even know. Um, all right. So now that the French fry debate is over with, uh, I thought we could debate a, a couple different things on today's show, Connor. First, I want to talk about uh, the pros and cons to the Warriors trading for Ben Simmons. Uh, Later on, we'll kind of debate Davion Mitchell, James Booknight, Josh Giddey, some of these guys that the Warriors uh, could take with the number seven pick in the draft. And then I want to talk about Mike Brown's job uh, that he's done with Team Nigeria and some other coaching things and offseason things to finish it up. And then, of course, we will wrap up the show with La Tuesday trivia, and I've got a a doozy for you uh, today, all related to the 2013 draft, which was the draft that Giannis was in. Not a great draft outside of Giannis being taken at 15, but players that were taken. One of the worst drafts ever, actually. That's right. And we'll talk about five or six different players from that draft who may or may not remember. Um, But let's start with the the pros and cons of trading for Ben Simmons. So the Athletic reported this morning that uh, the 76ers have opened up trade talks for Ben Simmons. Your thoughts on Ben Simmons if the Warriors should be involved? No. I do not think they should be involved um, for a few reasons. I just I just don't think he's a good fit, um, both X's and O's wise and culturally. Um, there's been reports out there about uh, how he fit into that 76ers locker room. You know, everyone, every team talks about culture. Uh, the Warriors genuinely care about it. And when you're talking about a big name player like that, um, you know, if he's – if he doesn't fit the ethos of the team, it really affects things more than if someone, uh, if someone like you know an Eric Pascal or a lower level guy uh, doesn't fit the ethos of the team. You know, when D'Angelo Russell was on the team, 
everyone in that locker room could tell he was not a fit for for how they operate as a culture um and and it and it was an issue um but basketball wise um you know he needs the ball in his hands he's not a great shooter um i i mean he's good defensively but um you know you don't want to have to ask uh you know someone like you know you don't you don't want to have to ask people like Steph and and Clay to change their roles for someone who to me is not good enough to de- necessarily warrant the Warriors automatically being bona fide contenders right away with his addition. Yeah, look, I think Ben Simmons is a really talented player. I think that this idea that you can buy, you could get him uh, for the cheap after his playoff performance. I just don't think that that's going to be the case. Talking with some people around the league, it just sounds like the Sixers have a high asking price for Ben Simmons, and they should, right? Like, they shouldn't just trade a guy with all-star potential and who has made three all-star games uh, just for anybody. Uh, I think that there's an argument to be made that there are some better fits that could be available, right? And I think that there's an argument to be made that if the Sixers went in a direction where they prioritized fit over talent, that they might be better off and they might still be playing right now. Uh, but we know about what we know about Daryl Morey is that he's not going to just sell low, right? We know this. And so you think about what the Warriors would have to put together in a package, you know, um, if it's James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and the draft picks, that is so much to give up for one guy who is not a perfect fit. And I don't know if he raises your ceiling in a, in a meaningful enough way that it would be worth the depth that you would have to give up, right? And a guy who Andrew, like in Andrew Wiggins, who's not as good of a player as Ben Simmons, but is a much better, better fit, right? A much cleaner fit with this group. And then James Wiseman, who has upside, and then two picks where you know, you could either use those picks for depth pieces or trade them in another kind of deal, right? And so there's an opportunity cost also that comes along with it because if this is it, right? This is the Warriors package. It's 7, 14, Wiseman, and Wiggins. And once this offseason's done, yeah, you can might, and if you make, if you take players with those picks, maybe you could still move them, but like, this is it. Like the Warriors don't have a ton of future picks. This is, this is their entire package. So if you move, if you go all in, and for a player like Ben Simmons or whoever, you better believe that that player is the long-term answer for whatever it is that you're trying to solve, right? Because if you if you put all those chips in the table, then you don't have any other assets left if you're Golden State. That's it. You pay the price right now. You have nothing left. And so if you're going to do that, I don't know that a player like Ben Simmons is the best chance to do that. Because if you don't do any picks or if any trades and you hold on to Wiggins in that salary and you hold on to Wiseman... And you hold on to seven and fourteen, and maybe one of those players pops as a rookie or whatever. You still have a little bit more maneuverability. Yeah, no, and I, I think I think that people are really understating or maybe overlooking Andrew Wiggins' value, especially to the Warriors. I mean, people talk about him like, oh, he's just salary filler, just toss him in there. It's like, no, this guy could be the legitimate bona fide long-term answer for you at small forward. I mean, what else does the guy have to prove to you? He had the best season of his career this past season, played at a borderline all-defensive team caliber level defensively, Mm -hmm. offensively was the most efficient of his career, I think will be super overqualified in a good way uh, to be the number three option on this team next season. And 
I don't want to just talk about tossing him in a, into a deal like he's nothing. Like he has more value to the Warriors, honestly, than he probably have to most teams. And yes. you know, I honestly wonder if if when you talk about fit, like does Wiggins have more value to the Warriors than Ben Simmons? When you talk about fit, because we're because we're looking at this Team USA team right now, why are they not dominating teams? Part of it is maybe they're not uh, – these players aren't a great fit with each other. It's not all about talent. You know, basketball, as cliche as it is, is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And you have to know how to play off of each other. And, um, you know, you've seen t- tons of examples in the past of superstar-loaded teams not working out because they just don't play well off of each other. Yeah. It's a good point, and I think it's something that the Warriors have to consider. And we go back to the Kevin Love rumors, right? When the Warriors were very much involved in a Kevin Love deal when, when Minnesota was shopping him, what did they do? They decided that they preferred fit in a guy like Clay Thompson over the the talent in a vacuum that was Kevin Love. They said, you know what? He doesn't fit exactly what it is that we're looking for, what we want to do, and what we're trying to build here. Uh, let's stick with our guy. Let's not give up the whole farm to go get this guy who we're not completely sold on. I think if you're going to move heaven and earth for a player, you better be 100% sold on him, right? And and I think that I think Ben Simmons can be a good player if you build something around him. To me, Ben Simmons should go to a rebuilding team. The Warriors know what they are. They're not rebuilding anything. They have a scheme in place. They're built around Steph Curry and Draymond. They have everything in place. You put Ben Simmons in that mix, you're probably getting diminishing returns just like Philadelphia was. Now, if Ben Simmons gets traded to Cleveland or some other team like that that could just build everything around him, he could be the next Giannis. Who knows? I just don't think he would be that in Golden State. Um, and and so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that the Warriors should trade for Ben Simmons. Uh, it's time for our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week in sports. If you think joy only happens when you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all of their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning, not just the end game, but the whole game. And Connor, player of the week has got to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. What he is doing in these NBA finals, back-to-back 40 games, back-to-back 40-point, 12 rebound games. First guy since Shaq to do that. He's putting up LeBron James in his prime-type numbers in these finals. What we have seen from the two-time MVP is Giannis taking a leap, right? I mean, I think, without a doubt, whatever you thought of Giannis before these finals and whatever and, and what you're seeing him do now, uh, you could have been the biggest Giannis fan in the world, but I think what we're seeing right now from him, just his singular dominance, not only on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, uh, for his ability to disrupt things and everything that Phoenix has done over the last couple of games. And I know that Milwaukee is still down 2-1, but right now I've got to think with Giannis, I mean, he if he can if he keeps this up, he could be one of the best 15 players we've ever seen. And I think that goes without saying, right? I mean, you talk about his age, you talk about what he's already accomplished. Um, yeah, I think he 100% has that, has that opportunity. And, um, you know, you keep in mind, this is someone who, um, got a lot of flack the past few years for the Bucks shortcomings, but I didn't personally think that was fair. Um, I think that a lot of those issues had to do with his supporting cast and the coaching. And, um, I think you're seeing, you know, you, you, you throw in a, a Drew Holiday and a couple other solid pieces, you know, he has everything in his repertoire to be the leader of a championship caliber team. He, he, and he has for a while now. It's just if he finally has the pieces around him. Yep, that's right. And that's Joy. That's Michelob Ultra. 
Uh, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Let's talk about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you, want to ma- whether you want to treat your muscle tension through working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Back here with Connell Letourneau. It is La Tuesday uh, here on Locked on Warriors. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts and follow the show on YouTube. Uh, well, we'll get to trivia with him later on in the show. But Connor, what I wanted to talk with you now about is uh, in my mailbag episode on Monday, uh, I had a little bit of a debate with myself, I suppose, uh, based on some questions that I got. The Warriors at seven will probably have an opportunity to draft, well, several players, but some of the hottest names that are linked to the Warriors right now, Davion Mitchell, James Booknight, Josh Giddy. Now, I have been mostly on the Davion Mitchell pretty consistently. I've been on Davion Mitchell at seven as the best pick. Booknight is the fast riser in the draft. Giddy is a really enticing type of prospect. We don't have as much film on him as we do with Mitchell and Booknight, but uh, his skill set is really enticing. There's a couple other guys that we could talk about, but I want to start with those three. Of those three, who, it is, who is it that you like the most at seven for the Warriors? Um, I'm, I'm a James Booknight guy. You know, I've been, I've been reading a lot and, and watching film of all the guys you just talked about. And, um, I think that Booknight is the best mix of ready made, but also high ceiling. Um, the Warriors, obviously with the number seven pick, want to take someone who can help them right away, who, can, who they can hopefully slide into a top eight rotation spot from day one. But, I do think they still need to think at least a little bit about the long-term outlook, the post uh, Curry era, especially considering that, you know, they might not keep a lot of these young guys, you know, they might, they might trade James Wiseman. They might do things of that nature. So um, I, I really like Donovan Mitchell for a lot of reasons, but I don't think he has the ceiling that book Knight has. I think book Knight has legitimate all-star potential. I'm not saying he will be an all-star, but I'm saying, he has a chance. I'm not. I'm not sure I can say the same about Mitchell, just because Mitchell is much more limited offensively. Uh, Booknight has the athleticism, the slashing ability, the court awareness uh, to be an elite scorer in this league, and I think he could pair really nicely in that second unit with Jordan Poole, 
as kind of a, a one-two punch with that second unit right away. So, um, and he's also young. He's only 20 years old. So, um, I, I, I'm leaning toward book night if they keep number seven and there isn't some big surprise like Jonathan Kaminga or someone like that falls. I do right. think it's more and more likely that someone like Jonathan Kaminga will be available at seven, in which case, the Warriors would have to really consider that, but I think I don't think they could go wrong with Book Knight at seven. Yeah, I'm still a little dubious that a guy like Kaminga can fall. I still think that ultimately you've got a, a, a clear top six, and the Warriors are just the odd man. They're just right there at seven. That if, if Kaminga falls, I don't think he falls further than six with Oklahoma City sitting there, uh, being able to take a guy with that kind of potential, and he kind of fits exactly what it is, the kind of player that Thunder have taken over the years. So even if a guy like Scotty Barnes moves up, I think Kaminga still doesn't fall. But I think if he's if he is there at seven, it's a value situation there. And if you're the Warriors, you either trade back with somebody who loves Kaminga or or you just take him for the value play. But um, I hear everything you're saying on Book Night. My only concern is that he had way more assists or way more turnovers than assists in college. And that to me is a concern. I, I think that Book Knight has a ton of potential. I think I love his upside. I love the fact that he plays above the rim. There's a lot of things that I like about his game. But if I'm the Warriors, I'm treating this draft like an extension of free agency. And I'm trying to find certain skill sets. And if the Warriors feel like they need a skill set like that Book Knight has, well, then you could just go out and sign Lou Williams in free agency, right? You could go get a guy like that who you could come in, bring off the bench, can run some pick and roll for you can have a little two-man game with James Wiseman, who you know can do it at the NBA level, uh, and all those things. Could um, they sign Williams for free agency, though? I mean, I'm assuming that. I, I know I'm making an assumption here, but yeah. I mean, look, if, if the Warriors want if the Warriors want that bad enough, they could throw the full mid-level exception at Lou Williams. They'll get him. Like, Lou Williams isn't getting that anywhere else. Um, to me, I like the idea of Davion Mitchell because from a defensive standpoint, I know that he can defend the point of attack right away. I know that he can hit jumpers. I know that he can. He doesn't play above the rim the same time, the same way Book Knight does, but he could get to the rim. He doesn't draw a bunch of fouls, but you can teach that. You can stress that. I think. I think Davion Mitchell still does enough, and we've talked about. And I think we're falling into this case of we've talked around him at number seven for so long. Now, throughout this draft process, that now we're just looking for other names to put there at seven. I will say this: I do think upside matters to the Warriors. I would draft Mitchell at seven. I wouldn't even think twice. But I do think upside matters to the Warriors, and it really comes down to what they think Davion Mitchell's upside is. He's only six feet tall with shoes, six foot four wingspan. Book Knight has five inches on him in both, you know, height and wingspan. That matters, right? He's a better athlete than Mitchell. That matters if you're the Warriors. And so that would be the other guy I would talk about is Josh Giddy, six eight, two hundred and ten pounds, something like that. Uh, a, a more natural playmaker, I think, either Mitchell or Book Knight. Even though I think Mitchell is a really good passer. Um, and and frequently makes the right decisions, but Giddy has a natural playmaking feel that I think is missing from this roster. And like I said, he's six eight. He could see the floor really well. Um, I think if the Warriors have any uh, regrets about passing on Lamelo Ball, they can get the next best NBL prospect, high you know high ceiling kind of guy in Josh Giddy, who like Lamelo packed the box score at the NBL level natural playmaker, has some flash to his game, could play in the open floor, 
Not a great three-point shooter. Some questions about his man-to-man defense. But if you're going to go in on upside, I like Giddy more than Book Knight. Yeah, uh, but I think that I think that Giddy is more of a project, and Giddy's a true point guard. Um, I don't know if the Warriors need a true point guard. Right. Um, I'm not sure there's a role for a true point guard on this team right now, a significant one at least. Um, look, I'm just looking at Giddy's numbers right now. Very impressive for a 19 year old in the NBL, which is a high level overseas league. 7.4 assists per game. Uh, 7.4 rebounds per game, mm-hmm. um, almost 11 points per game. Those I mean, the numbers, yeah, yeah. I mean, the passing is what stands out to me about him, and I think it's special, but I do think he's more of a project, and I don't think he's a great fit to help them right away. That's why I'm leaning toward Book Knight. I do think Giddy's gonna be a great player if he's available at 14, which he very well could be. Um, I think the Warriors should take a hard look at him. Um, Giddy, Book Knight. Both of them have questionable three-point shots. I do question Giddy's ability to play off the ball. Book Knight, at least, could probably be a threat cutting to the basket, but Giddy could too. Mitchell, people are split on whether or not that three-point shot is real. Uh, he shot less than 40% and is like closer to like 33% or something like that, I believe, in his first couple of years in college, and then broke out for 45% from three-point range as a junior at Baylor. That free-throw percentage is still shaky, which gives some people trepidation. I had Chad Ford on my podcast a few weeks ago say that he's not worried about Davion Mitchell's jumper. And that's a big thing for me because he's a much better player evaluator than most people are. And so if he trusts it, then I trust it. And I'll just take his word for it. Um, I'm not a guy that's necessarily breaking down jump shots, but um, I still think Mitchell at seven, you just, if you have to punt on some upside, I think you have to do it. And you just got to get a guy that, that you, that you can trust right now. But then again, like I see the, I see the argument for book night. If you want to, if you basically want to run pick and roll and play fast uh, in that second unit and have Book Knight and James Wiseman basically being your one-two punch off the bench and have Jordan Poole shooting off of that, spacing the floor, Juan Descano Anderson spacing the floor from the corners and things like that, and that's your second unit, go for it. That's great. Uh, that's what you want to do. And if the Warriors ultimately, I think any one of these guys would be good. Um, I Giddy's sort of my new guy that I really like. I just like the upside. And I think. The Warriors just need playmaking, and that's such a hard thing to find. Like, of these three prospects, the most novel skill set is either Davion Mitchell's ability to guard at an elite level his position or Giddy's playmaking feel. Book Knight is just least unique player of that group, and I just think at seven, that matters to some degree when you have other avenues to address needs like frequency or trades or something like that. Um, all right, let's take another quick break here. Uh, and then talk about uh, what Mike Brown has been doing in the Olympics. But first, with the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car at a traditional store. So do it easy online at rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto parts um, and everything you need in just a few easy clicks, and you can get those parts delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. 
Michael Mulder will be joining me on the show on Thursday to talk about his experience with Team Canada, his offseason, what he hopes to improve on next season for the Warriors. So make sure to subscribe to Locked On Warriors wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe, of course, to the YouTube channel. Here now with Connor Letourneau on the Tuesday. And Connor, I know that you feel strongly about what Mike Brown has done with the Nigerian national team uh, so far. Uh, what is it that has impressed you so much um, about what Mike Brown has been able to do? Um, well, I mean, you, just from just from a first glance standpoint, you look at Nigeria's roster and you look at Team USA's roster and you don't think there's any world where Ni- Team Nigeria, even in an exhibition, should be able to beat Team USA. And yet they did it in, in relatively convincing fashion. And uh, I think a lot of it is a testament to Mike Brown's coaching. Um, Team Nigeria looked well organized. They looked like they knew how to play off each other. They knew what the game plan was. And, you know, they obviously had only been together for a couple weeks. And I think that's a testament to uh, quality coaching. So I think I think Mike Brown deserves a ton of credit for that. And then they follow up that win over Team USA with a dominant win over a good Australia team. And uh, I think this Nigeria team is going to be a real threat in the Olympics. And I think Mike Brown deserves a ton of credit for that, um, and Mike Brown, I think is a, is a is a coach who hasn't gotten enough credit throughout his career. You know, he's been fired three times, but you look at his winning percentage; it's very high. He's a former NBA Coach of the Year. He got the Cavaliers to the finals with a young LeBron and pretty much no one else on that roster. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think I think uh, we're seeing what he brings to the table on full display, and I'm happy for him. Um, it was, uh, it was a win over, uh, Argentina, not Australia. I, I think you missed. Oh, sorry. No, no, but sorry. Uh, I got, the, confused, the point with, uh, I got yeah. confused with, uh, the, the team, team USA, USA losing game. their second game. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think what Mike Brown is doing is turning heads too. Um, he has been fired, I believe three times from head coaching jobs at the NBA level, uh, does want to coach at the NBA level again. He wants to be a head coach again. We know this. Um, and I think what he's doing is, is like I said, I think it's turning heads. You mentioned the way that that team is playing together. What he's taken away from his experience with the Warriors is maybe to, I mean, he is so detail-oriented and he's so regimented in his approach that I think working with Steve Kerr and under Steve Kerr has maybe helped him loosen the reins on that kind of stuff a little bit. And uh, I think maybe whatever lessons he's been able to take from the Warriors and that ecosystem that Steve Kerr has created there could help Mike Brown and could help him in in an interview setting. And I'm actually quite surprised that we haven't seen Mike Brown interviewed more for coaching jobs. Maybe that's partly because, you know, the Warriors, you know, before a couple years ago had been in the finals and long playoff runs and most vacancies are trying to get filled before then. But um I, I do believe that if Nigeria medals in the Olympics, the Mike that Mike Brown for the head coach position somewhere, somewhere down the line, there's going to be more buzz about that than I think we've obviously had over the last few years. Well, I think if you look at all the, the recent hires in NBA circles, a lot of them have been, you know, young, up-and-coming coaches with not a ton of experience. You know, you look at someone like Steve Nash in Brooklyn, had never been a, a coach before. Closest he'd come to that was a consultant role with the Warriors. Um, you know, you look at 
uh, Chauncey Billups in Portland had one one season as an assistant with the Clippers. Um, a lot of front offices are really down on the quote unquote retread coach, you know, a coach who's had one or multiple opportunities in the NBA. And I understand that you should only have so many opportunities, but Mike Brown's a unique case in that he got a really raw deal in Cleveland and LA. Um, I don't think he was uh, fired because he's not good. He was fired because of various situations and fickle management. Um, And uh, I think he deserves every opportunity to have every chance to have another opportunity in the NBA as a head coach. And I I think I really hope for his sake that uh, this Nigeria experience has highlighted that for some executives out there Um, because he, like you said, he's a very detail oriented guy and that's been a knock on him is that he, he gets a little bit too in the weeds sometimes with the minutiae and the color co- color-coded practice reports and all those things. And sometimes that doesn't engender him, uh, engender him super well to uh, super lo- superstar-level players. Uh, it's been well-documented that LeBron wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Mike. Maybe Kobe wasn't either. And uh, I think part of that is that, you know, he w- was the grinder type. He came up through the film room, had never played in the NBA, um, but I think he's learned so much from Steve in terms of how to manage those egos, how to endear himself to the, that level of player. Um, and I think that that's really going to help him in his next opportunity if he gets, if he gets another one, but it feels like, it feels like his time with the Warriors has kind of, he's peaked with the Warriors. Like, I'm not yeah. sure how much more he can get out of his situation with the Warriors. And then the Warriors decision to s- to hire Kenny Atkinson, you kind of wonder if they're of the mind, okay, like Mike's not going to be here much longer. And you talk to Mike and like, he's very open with the fact that he really wants a head coaching job. And so it's like with, with Atkinson there, you know, Atkinson can fill that lead assistant role pretty, pretty, you know, admirably. And so you kind of wonder if Mike Brown will even be around next season. Um, I think you're right. I think he has peaked with the Warriors, and that's partly the reason why he probably took this Nigeria job, right? Is to let me be a head coach, let me be, let me run the show somewhere, uh, and, and show what I can do. You're, I, I do think that there is a trend in the NBA right now where they want to hire former players because former players are the ones who can relate to these superstars. And if you are in the superstar acquisition game, you want those. You don't want Kenny Atkinson. You want Steve Nash, right? Uh, but for a team that might be a little bit younger, that might look at what the Atlanta Hawks did this year under Nate McMillan, another retread coach, right? Multiple attempts. Was a lead assistant. Lloyd Pierce leaves, who is the hot young shot coach. Lloyd Pierce is ousted. Nate McMillan takes over. What happens? They turn their season around. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals. If there is a team that is young like that and is looking to maybe replicate that model uh, and says, you know what? Experience from the head coach is something we need because we don't have it on the – you know, within the player ranks on our 15-man roster, then I think Mike Brown makes a lot of sense for that kind of team, right? Where, where maybe a former player getting his first head coaching job probably doesn't make the most sense for that kind of team, right? So I don't, I don't want to go under a, to you know through a rabbit hole of you know what teams do make sense for Mike Brown, but I will say this: I don't think that the door is completely shut on him being a head coach at the NBA level again, especially if, like I said. Nigeria medals in these Olympics or gets close to it, uh, that's going to turn a lot of heads. I think um, it really, might have been until this. I mean, yes. yeah, he exactly. hasn't even been a serious candidate for any jobs. I mean, he's interviewed a couple places, but talking to him, right. 
he wasn't necessarily he didn't feel like he was a finalist for anything yeah uh willie green reportedly going to be the head coach of the new orleans pelicans what do you thought what do you think about the hire i was surprised to be honest with you um but i think i think a, i think it's an interesting hire and i think it could it could end up working out really well for them um willie green not a super experienced coach in terms of years. Um, you know, his first coaching opportunity was with the Warriors just a few years ago as a player development coach, like a low level behind the bench guy. Um, they they plucked him basically from his playing days. Um, you know, but I know he was really well liked among the Warriors. Um, he's got a great demeanor, great temperament, um, really quality individual that everyone respects. Um, and then I think he. I think he's really benefited from taking that leap and going to Phoenix. Um, you know, when he took that job, I thought, you know, that's a little bit of a calculated risk. I understand you wanting to move up in the rankings of, of, of assistant coaching, but you know, the Phoenix is such a mess, man. You might've, you might've been better off just, just waiting around with the Warriors and trying to get promoted. But, you know, he ended up striking while the iron was hot and uh, was the lead assistant for the most surprising feel good story in the NBA this season, I think learned a lot from Monty, uh, Monty Williams, who is emerging as a top coach in the league. And so he, he was kind of the hot name on people's radar. And I think he's, that's why he got the new Orleans job. I think there's going to be some growing pains, him being a head coach, but um, I understand why he got it. And I think he probably learned a lot in Phoenix. That's going to help him in that role. Uh, I know that Steve Kerr is, has, talks about Willie Green in glowing terms, right? We've heard Steve Kerr, you know, talk about how Willie Green has a bright future in the NBA at some point. Maybe it came faster than anybody else expected, but everybody talks about how smart he is, how behind the scenes he's so helpful with not just player development, but with coaching adjustments and things like that. And he is the opposite of Stan Van Gundy, right? When I talk about the trend right now is hiring former players to relate to your superstars, Stan Van Gundy could not get through to Zion Williamson and that Pelicans roster, and he was out after a year. What his old school approach is exactly that. It is old school, and this is a new school league, and he's just not cut, he was not cut out for that position, for that job with that roster. Uh, Willie Green, if, 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 and so the Pelicans come to that conclusion, very clearly wanted the most opposite of Stan Van Gundy that they could get, and so they, instead of getting a guy with a ton of head coaching experience, they get a guy with none, Instead of getting a guy who came up, you know, the old school way like Stan Van Gundy, they got a guy who was a former player and has even very, you know, very little coaching experience even on a bench. And they believe that Willie Green, the way that he was able to relate to guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the way that he was able to relate to guys, that, that star-studded team in, with, with Golden State, that he can relate to a guy like Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram uh, next year and, and whoever else it is that, they, that they're able to bring in. And if they're right, then they're right. But, man, they better get this thing they better have gotten the right hire this time because there's only so many coaches you could cycle through before Zion Williamson's like, okay, nobody knows what they're doing here. Get me out of here. And I don't mean to take right. the conversation in that direction, but that's right. the risk, right? Like you can't just keep going through coaches. I, I think has to be right. I think that uh, I think that Willie is going to end up being the perfect coach for because he's really good with young guys and he's really good with superstar caliber guys. I mean, everyone likes him. And I think the fact that he was in the league not that long ago is going to help him relate to someone like Zion. 
All right, Connor, it is time for the Tuesday trivia where we give you a handful of names and you tell me where they went to college. This is the third week that we've been doing that. The genesis of this game is that you and I will sit on press row and we'll just be sitting there watching a game in the middle of the season, dog days, January, February, whatever it is, and I'll just point to a random player on the court and I'll be like, what? Who is that guy? And you'll be like, that's this guy. And he went to this college. And it's just, it's insane. You have an encyclopedic memory, almost photographic memory for this stuff. And so it was always very impressive. So I thought I would bring that to the podcast. You uh, dominated the first two weeks of this segment. Um, I think you ended up scoring like four, you got 14 out of 10 possible points. I didn't even know that you could do that, but you figured out a way. So I've got. The one I was really proud of last week was that. I remembered both high schools that Brandon Jennings went to. That's right. And the international team he played for. I, I got to give myself some more props on that one. <laughs> so there's a theme to these. And this week, the theme is the 2013 draft, which is we know is the same draft that Giannis Antetokounmpo was taken in. Giannis was taken 15th by Milwaukee in that draft. but And at 15, he's... By far, the best player in that draft now, that was the Anthony Bennett draft, the Victor Oladipo draft. That was a really bad draft. One of the worst yeah. drafts in recent memory. Uh, outside of Giannis, the best players to come from that draft, I believe, were Victor Oladipo and C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum was the other guy. Um, and so I wanted to just sort of take a stroll through that draft, pick out a few players, and see if you could name that college. So are you ready, Connor? Yes, and and the, you. This is going to get harder and harder, right? It is. So the first one's how many? How many rounds do we have? We have five, and I have a bonus if you if you if you get all five. Okay, I'm excited. This is like my favorite thing all week, so I love this. <laughs> first one's an easy one. Andre Roberson. Uh, Andre Roberson, Colorado. Okay, very good. And remember, guys, if you're listening on YouTube or a podcast, play along. See if you can get these right. Um. Isaiah Cannon. Isaiah Cannon went to uh, Murray State. That's right. The Racers. Shout out John Morant. Shout out and John shout Morant. out Cameron Payne, who's randomly been good for the Suns this year. Not right, uh, dude. Cameron Payne. That's the feature story that I haven't read yet, and, and I'm apologies if it's out there somewhere and I haven't actually. Across it. My friend Melissa Rowland just dropped a feature on on him that I'm going to read after we get off the pod. Oh. Perfect. Uh, definitely check that out. Nate Walters. South Dakota State. That's right. Uh, he is playing overseas somewhere. Had just a cup of coffee. I think he was on the heat for a minute, right? He was for about a minute. He was a really uh, good player in college. Really good player in college. Uh, people were surprised that he fell the way that he fell in the draft, but that upside just wasn't there. James Ennis. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Um James Ennis played for the Heat. He played, I think, for the Pistons. He played for the Rockets. He played for a few different teams. Oh my gosh. Might have finally stumped Connor. No, um, this is the annoying thing is that I think James Ennis should be easier than some of these other names. Uh <sighs> All right, I'm going to throw it out there. It's on my mind for some reason. It very well might not be right, though. Uh, Indiana. No. Fuck. Uh, I'm going to give you... You've, you've Villanova? Time. 
No. Fuck. What? Well, what is it? Uh, it's in the state of California. Southern California. This is really annoying. I feel like I should know this. I don't know. It's Cal State Long Beach. <laughs> That's your first one. Look, Connor, don't be too hard on yourself. It's the first one in three weeks. I'm going to give you a chance I, at the bonus I'm one. I'm very upset with myself. I actually... The problem was that I was getting James Ennis as a player mixed up with other players in my mind. Like, it wasn't that I didn't – like, I I think on a certain level I knew that James Ennis went to Long Beach State. Uh, I just was getting him confused as a player. Cal State Long Beach. Damn it. That's annoying. I hate – I'm so mad right now. All right. Ray McCallum. Detroit Mercy. Which is which is the same school that uh, our guy Willie Green went to, there you go. Um, and uh, Warriors practice there every time they go to Detroit. And the reason he went to Detroit Mercy is because his father, Ray McCollum Senior, was the coach there and got fired shortly thereafter. You're just trying to flex whatever knowledge you have right now. You're just you're just. I'm trying to make up for it. I'm really mad right now. I, I honestly didn't. I I felt very confident that you were not going to stump me, and I can't believe I missed that one. Uh um so I said that you get a crack at the bonus if you got all five right, but I'm going if you want the bonus, I will give it to you. Yeah, I want it. Because I'm gonna okay, can we just say if I get the bonus, that negates the Ennis one, right? Well, technically, if you get the bonus, then you've gotten five out of five. Because the bonus, if you get all five, then you would get a six out of five. Okay. So if you get the bonus, so you get a five out of we're five. We're gonna say if I get this one, then then the Ennis mistake is off the the books. You can you can say that. I mean, this is all recorded and it's out there for public consumption. But uh, all right, Carrick Felix, the thirty third pick in that draft by Cleveland. Carrick Felix, Arizona State. There you go. See, don't you feel better about yourself? <laughs> he didn't even play in the NBA. He, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he, Cleveland took him at number thirty-three. He didn't even play in the NBA, and I know ah, I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm never going to get over the Ennis thing. That I should have known that. I'm going to get text but messages hey, from you. Who else is Who else is getting Carrick Felix? Nobody. That's why. That's why you're okay. you, and that's why we have you on the show. All right. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for us today. This has been La Tuesday with Connor Laterno from the San Francisco Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at con underscore cron, of course. Follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. You can reach me at WGoldberg at BayAreaNewsGroup.com. Uh, subscribe to Lockdown Warriors wherever you get podcasts. And make sure to subscribe on our brand new YouTube channel. This is Lockdown Warriors. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hope to see you next time.